Lord help us, Jesus. The book of Galatians, chapter 3. We'll try to find a place here to bog in. Jump on this, uh, this uh, express that you're rolling by. Praise God, this thing's moving so fast, it'll jerk your arm off trying to get on. Dr. Brown told me last night, he said, if you pause to take a breath, he said, I've got a red hot one, I'm ready to stick on the burner. So, this crowd's about to preach me to death. Lord, wasn't that good choir singing, special thing? I'm glad someday that's going to be reality for us. The book of Galatians, chapter 3, we'll pick up reading in verse number 6. The Bible said in Galatians, chapter 3, verse 6, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. I want to bring a text tonight with the help of the Lord from verse number 8, when the Bible said, Preach before the gospel unto Abraham. I want to deal here with the gospel that was preached unto Abraham. Now, hang on. Let me set the table before you hogs go to eat. And I'm telling you, it's the hungriest crowd. They go to eat before you can get it on the table. Now, the Bible said here that the Scripture said. What Scripture is he talking about? The Old Testament Scripture. Foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Now, when we think about the gospel that's preached unto Abraham, Abraham literally had the gospel of salvation preached unto him 2,500 years before the birth of Christ. Now, there's only one gospel. I understand there was the gospel of the kingdom. I understand in Revelation chapter 14 there'll be an angel fly through heaven preaching the everlasting gospel. But I'm talking about the gospel of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about that, we're talking about the virgin birth, the vicarious death, the victorious resurrection, a visible ascension, and a vital return. That makes up the gospel. Now, when we think about this, let me run fast to John chapter 5 and verse 45. Let's see what the Lord Jesus had to say about this. He said in John 5, 45, Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he, Moses, wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Now we understand that Moses was the human penman that God used to pin down the first five books of the Bible. He wrote Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Moses pinned them down. And the Lord Jesus said, Moses wrote of me. Then I want to fast forward to John 8, verse 56. The Lord said there, Your father 
Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Why, they said, Lord Jesus, you're not yet fifty years old. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. Amen. You see, they put a lot of stock in Abraham. And Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, we go back to Genesis. That's where we'll stay tonight. I want you to run there. To the book of Genesis chapter 17. And hang on, I'll be there directly. You see, we find in Genesis chapter number 25 that it's there that Abraham died. So somewhere prior to that, Abraham had the gospel of the Lord Jesus preached unto him. Now, it's in the type of Isaac, his promised son. And I want you to think with me tonight. If Abraham literally had the gospel preached unto him, then he had to see a picture of the supernatural birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did. It was all through the typology, through Isaac, his promised son. Now, hang on to three things here. Number one, Isaac was prophesied beforehand. You see, there's at least four different times. In Genesis 15:4, Genesis 17:7, Genesis 17:15, and Genesis 18:10. Over a period of 25 years, God said, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son in your old age, and thou shalt call him Isaac. You see, God prophesied to Abraham that he was going to have a son before Isaac was ever born. He was prophesied beforehand. And that's true of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise its heel. And God made that prophetic announcement that there's coming a child born to the woman, a promised seed. Why, one day, oh, listen, Isaiah picked up that telescope of faith, and he said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. Oh, yes. Why, Nahum saw it, and said he'll be born in Bethlehem. The Lord was prophesied before he was ever born, just like Isaac. Number two, Isaac was promised on time. Did you know that? The Bible said in Genesis 17, 21. Look at it now. That's where you're supposed to be. He said, but my covenant will I establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. You see, Isaac's birth was promised on time. God said, Abraham, at this set time in the next year, Sarah's going to bear you a child. Oh, yes. And I thought about the Son of God. It was prophesied. Listen, if they had figured out Daniel's 70 weeks of prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, that a new right when the Lord was going to be born. It was right there. And I'm glad the Bible said in Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, 
Amen. Friend, he came right on time. But something else here, there's a physical impossibility. How can a woman 90 years old and a man 100 years old give birth to a child? The Bible said in Genesis 18, verse 11, now Abraham was old, and the Bible said, now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken. The emphasis is on well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Hang on to this for a minute. Romans 4.19. Paul said of Abraham, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Oh, listen, Abraham believed God. He hoped against hope. That's what the book said. And he believed God. You know what I believe personally? I believe one night they laid down the next morning when they woke up. Abraham looked over and said, Sarah, unto God, honey, is that you? Why, you looked like when we first got married. She said, Abraham, have you looked in the mirror glass? Abraham, you look young too. You say, how do you believe that? Why in the world would Abimelech, listen, a king, want to know a 90-year-old woman, you see. He wanted to steal her away from Abraham. I believe God rejuvenated them and touched them. And oh, listen, she conceived. She conceived of old Abraham. And God performed a miracle. Medical science says that's an impossibility. They say it can never be done. But oh, hang on a minute. I see a virgin there by the name of Mary. And the angel Gabriel showed up and said, you're going to have a child. She said, how shall this thing be seen? I know not a man. And the angel said, The power of the high shall overshadow thee, and that holy thing which shall be born to thee shall be called Jesus. And that angel said in Luke 1, 37, With God nothing is impossible. Hallelujah! You say, preacher, do you really believe that? I believe she had never known a man. The Holy Ghost overshadowed her and planted in her womb the seed of Almighty God. I believe that. And oh, here's old Abraham. Lord, I see Sarah, and she's knitting some little booties together. And somebody comes by and she's sitting down, got a blanket over her like her legs. And she's yarning and knitting some little booties. Somebody that knows them said, well, my, my, is Ishmael going to have a son or a daughter? Y'all going to have a grandchild? And old Sarah stands up and she's in the motherly way. And Abraham said, our God can do anything. You see, Abraham saw a picture of the supernatural birth of the Lord Jesus. For his son Isaac. But then if he saw the gospel, not only did he see a picture of the virgin birth, but he had to see a picture of the vicarious death, of the sacrificial offering of the Lord Jesus. Now you know where I'm going over in Luke, excuse me, Matthew, excuse me, Genesis chapter 22. We're over there in Genesis 22. God said, Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. 
He picked him out a place there. God said, take him to the land of Moriah. Offer him there upon a mountain that I'll show thee of. And you see here, here's the plan. God said, you offer up thy son, your only son whom you love, Abraham. And it's a picture of what God was going to do 2,500 years later on Mount Calvary. Not only the plan, but you see the place. The Bible said that God said in the land of Moriah. Now, you know where Moriah is? That's where Solomon built the temple, friend, in the land of Moriah. Second Chronicles chapter number 2. But there's something else there. It's there in the land of Moriah, the place called Gordon's Calvary is. It's located in that region. You know what I personally believe? The very spot God told Abraham to offer up Isaac was the very hallowed ground that God was going to offer up His Son. But one day, there's the place. But notice there's the picture in Genesis 22. What you've got, you've got Abraham and Isaac, and the two servants, and an ass. The Bible said an old donkey, and he put the wood on the donkey's back. Now, they were gone three days and three nights. And Abraham spied the place, the land of Moriah. He said, Servants, you wait right here. And he took the wood and had it on the donkey's back. And they started up that way. But then he stopped. And there was a transfer of the wood. He took the wood off of that donkey's back and he put it on Isaac's back. You understand, that donkey is a type of a sinner. Exodus 13:13 13, said, The firstling of an ass the firstborn of a donkey had to be redeemed by a lamb. There had to be the shedding of blood. And you see that old ass, that old donkey is a stubborn animal. But I see the wood coming off of his back. See that donkey had been confined and bound down by that wood, carrying that heavy load. But when they took that wood off his back and put it on Isaac, I see that little old donkey kicking up his heels and the loads off of him. Do you remember when God the Holy Ghost lets you in on the fact that your sins have been placed on Jesus and the Lord can be lifted? They begin to go up the hill now. And there they are. There's Isaac following Abraham. And Abraham's got fire in one hand and a knife in the other. Fire speaks of holiness and the knife of judgment. And they're going up that mountain. And Isaac said, Father Abraham, he said, Here, son, here I am. He said, Dad, we got the fire, we got the knife, we got the wood. But where is the sacrifice? I believe with all my heart, Abraham didn't stagger. He did not stagger at the promise of God. He just kept on looking out yonder. He picked up a telescope of faith, and he zeroed in on Calvary. And he said, Behold, he said, God will provide himself a lamb. Amen. God will provide himself. That's more than God just giving somebody. God provided himself a lamb in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. They get up on that mountain now. They're up there, and Abraham and Isaac build the altar. And they put the wood in order, and everything's ready. And Abraham looks at Isaac, and he said, Son, you're the sacrifice. You're the one that I've got to offer up. Now, Isaac could have rebelled. He could have fought against his dad. He was younger. He could have overpowered him. But he willingly submitted to the Father's will. That's a picture of our Lord and Savior. I tell you, just... Saying not my will, but thine 
be done, Father. Amen. And he got ready. He pulled back that knife. Had the fire ready to light those sticks. And the knife held back, getting ready to come down. And the very second he got ready to come down, something happened. Now, you see, here's the sacrificial offering. Abraham is seeing a picture of Calvary, friend. And God offering up His only begotten Son. But if Abraham had all the gospel preached to him, did he not have to see a picture of the shadow of the resurrection? Did he not have to see, hey, the gospel without the resurrection would be of no avail to us tonight. Thank God he died. Thank God he died. But that's as far as our great high priesthood have ever went. We'd still be in our sins. But the capstone of our redemption is that on that third and appointed morning, hallelujah, he got up. He got up. The Bible said here now, Abraham's ready to bring down that knife. He's coming down, brother, to slice his juggler vein and to fillet him alive and dissect him and lay him on that altar. But hang on a minute, Hebrews eleven seventeen. The Bible said by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had offered up, received the promise, offered up his only begotten son. You say, wait a minute, preacher, I've read that account in Genesis 22. Abraham never did offer up Isaac. He was ready to, but preacher, he never did do it. Now, you hang on a minute. The Bible said, by faith, by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. You see, i tell you what I believe. When God said, Abraham, take thy son, thine only son Isaac, and offer him. Abraham stuck the dagger through his heart right there. It was a three days journey to Mount Moriah. Read your Bible. And Isaac had been dead in the mind of Abraham as good as dead. Three days and three nights. But it wasn't a picture and a time for him to die. It was time for us to be able to look back and see the resurrection. Thank God Abraham got ready to come down. And the Bible said in Genesis 22, verse number 11, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord, you know who that is? That is a Theophanes. That's a pre-Calvary appearance of the Son of God standing there. And the angel Lord said unto Abraham, he said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I knowest that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thine only son Isaac. And Abraham took the same knife that he is getting ready to slay his son with, and he cut the cords loose that had him bound. Amen. I remember when I was bound in sin, judgment hand of God drawn back, the sword of justice unsheathed. But that same sword of judgment became a sword of mercy and cut me free and set me free from sin's bondage, friend. And oh, listen, I see Abraham cut him loose. And about that time they looked behind them, and there's a ram, a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. You know what I believe? As Abraham and Isaac was going up this side of the mountain, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord was leading that little ram up this side. 
Wasn't coincidence. Wasn't no accident. That's divine providence. And son Abraham heard a rustle and turned around. And God said, there's your substitute. And they brought that ram over there. Got Isaac off the altar. And they slew that ram and offered him up. And that burnt sense went up to God in heaven. You know what? In just a few minutes, that ram was dissolved and burnt. All that was left was the ashes of remembrance. I'd like to believe somebody else was on that mountain that day. I'd like to believe the devil crawled up there, hiding behind a bush somewhere, and said, Dear God, God has lost his mind. He's going to kill the one whom he said he would send forth the promise through. But you see, the joke was on the devil, friend. The joke was on the devil. And you know what? I see him come down off that mountain. And you know all the devil can do? He run over there and got in them ashes. And he just kicked up ashes. Just kicked up ashes. Hey! You know, every now and then he comes back to me. He tries to remind me of what I was and where I've been and what I've done. But all he can do is stir up the ashes of remembrance. Past sins are gone, brother. They're gone, they're gone, they're gone. Somebody said, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. And tell him to pop a log and go on to hell, because that's the way he's going. Sure, I drag around them old chains of remembrance. Every now and then they'll get to rattling. I'll pass a motel. I'll pass a nightclub. I'll see somebody on the street. And the devil said, don't you remember? But the Holy Ghost will say, we forgot all about it. We forgot all about it. And if God ain't going to bring it up against us, why don't we stop it? You see, Abraham, he said, my Lord, my God. He said, what am I seeing here? And what he's seeing is a picture of the substitutionary death of the Lord. He sees a picture of the shadow of the resurrection. You know this, when Jesus hung there and bled and died on that bloody hillside called Calvary, bowed his head, gave up the ghost. And he said, it's finished, Father. Not I'm finished, but it is finished. He bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. You know, he wasn't there. The Bible said, He that ascended also first descended in the lower parts of the earth. Can't you see them down there? They've been waiting for years and years and years. And everybody that comes a-walking in, Abel said, Are you him? Abel said, Are you him? Abraham and others said, Are you him? Are you him? I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus hung and bled and died, when He stepped in, He said, Boys, I've got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You know, I... I imagine in my mind's eye that many people had signed hotel registered death. They'd signed in there. Man, death had seen all kinds come in there. And the Lord Jesus signed in one day. I can see his death throw that register around at him. And the Lord took that black pen of death. And old death looked at him and said, You've troubled us. You raised Jairus' daughter, the widow of Nain's son. You raised Lazarus, but we'll get them all back. But all oh, we've been awaiting on you. Go ahead and sign in, sir. And he takes that black pen of death and he signs three letters, one and a half words. And he signed, I am. And death goes to shaking. Death's knees go to knocking. And death said, I've seen names like Abraham. And I was 
Isaac and Jacob. But what kind of name is this? I am. And the Lord said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he was dead, yet shall he live again. And he checked in three days and three nights later. Seventy-one hours, fifty-nine minutes, fifty-nine seconds. Praise God, there's a rustling in them gray clothes. And he got up! He got up! He got up! And he ever lives! He ever lives! To make intercession for us. Now, hang on a minute. This ain't all. The Bible said in Genesis 22:19, So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Notice the Bible said, And Abraham returned. The Holy Ghost didn't let him say anything, didn't let Moses pin nothing down about Isaac coming down. Now, he did come down. We know that. But he didn't let him pin anything down about it. So we could see a picture of the silent ascension. You don't find Isaac mentioned no more in the first person until he comes walking out in the field at evening tide. And it's a picture of the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, Abraham's seeing a whole lot. Now, you hear something else. He not only saw that, but the Bible said in Genesis 23, verse 2, three words, and Sarah died. Well, who was Sarah? She was the mother of Isaac. And she died. And then you'll find that Abraham begins to search for a bride for his son. But not until Sarah died. And Sarah was set aside. And she was put away, if you will. You say, what's the connection? Glad you asked. Abraham saw the setting aside of Israel. He saw the natural branches broken off. You see, Sarah was the mother, the mother of Isaac. And all, oh, listen to me, Jesus came to His own. That's the Jews. His own received Him not. And the Jews as a nation have been temporarily set aside. The natural branches have been broken off. And we in a wild olive vine have been grafted in contrary to nature. But hang on a minute. Romans 11:25 said that blindness in part has happened to Israel. Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. I'm telling you, God's getting ready to do business again with Israel. They're back in the homeland. They're back to stay, brother. I'm telling you, Abraham saw the setting aside of the nation of Israel when they put Sarah in the grave. But now hang on. You see, we go to 24, and we've got Abraham calling in his servant, the eldest servant of all of his household. And here you see the selecting of a bride. And this is the vital return and, and, and the vital search for the bride and the return. You see, now Abraham, he said now, and look in chapter 24, verse 2, Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had. You say, preacher, what was his name? I believe it's found in Genesis 15, too. And the steward of my house is Eliezer. Eliezer of Damascus. And they tell me that word Eliezer means God's helper. God's helper. I tell you, now listen, it's not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, co-equal, co-eternal, co-powerful. 
when God does something, all of God does something. You hear me? There's no jealousy in the Godhead. But listen, the Holy Ghost was willing to come down from heaven and to be a picture, as it were, the eldest servant going out there in the Gentile world and around the world seeking out a bride. The person that sent his Elijah. Notice the program. Now, Abraham said, Now, Elijah, I want you to go back to where we come from. I want you to go back down there to the homeland. Go back down yonder to Canaan. I want you to go down there. Or excuse me, Mesopotamian. Go down there and find my son a bride. And uh, the servant said, Oh, it's what a job. What a job. And he said, you, Can I take the son with me? Can I take the son? He said, No, the son's going to remain here with me. But you go on down there. You go down. Now, what you want you to do? I want you to take ten camels out of my camels. Not all of his camels, just ten camels out of the camels. Ten's a number of testimony. He said, that's all you're going to need. Just, hey, just ten of my camels. And go on down there. And there goes the servant. You see the program? It's the request of the father to go where the son had been. There's a restriction on the son. You can't take him there. But there's a response of the servant. He said, I'll go. And you know the story now. He gets down there and he comes into this place and he gets by the well. Goes down to the well and he parks and he has an old time prayer meeting that servant does. He said, now, God of Abraham, would you please let the first girl that comes down here that I asked a drink of water and she gives me a drink and she draws for my camels. Let her be the one. And before he ever said, in Jesus' name I pray, amen, he opened one eye and over the hillside comes skipping a girl named Rebecca. There she came down through there. There she came. And the Bible said she was a virtuous girl. Never a man had ever known her. And there she came as she drew water, got it in her container. And this old servant said, Ma'am, would you give me a drink? Why, she took it down and said, Sure, sir. And I'll not only give you a drink, but I'll draw water for all your camels. And the Bible said that Elijah held his peace. He is about to have an old-time Baptistal fit. He had to hold his peace. He knew that God had done, answered his prayer. You see, there's the, there's the personal appeal here. You know what he did? He got over there to the camels and he opened up a saddlebag. And the Bible said he reached down in there and he got a golden earring of a half a shackle weight. And he got two bracelets of ten shackles weight of gold. And he come back over there and he said, Rebecca, look here. Look here, Rebecca. And Lord, he put that earring on her, a half a shackle, and he put those bracelets on her. And he said, girl, this is just a foretaste of glory divine. You know what he was doing? He was personally appealing to her. He was proposing for Isaac. He was talking about the good things of Isaac. And how Isaac was an heir of all that Abraham had. You remember when the Holy Ghost came by where you were? And you was a lost sinner and nobody going nowhere. I mean, buddy, you was a down and out or you was headed nowhere. The Holy Nobody going nowhere. I mean, buddy, you was a down and out or you was headed nowhere. The Holy Ghost come a-riding in, opened up the saddlebags, and began to tell you about Jesus and about God's Son. Hey, God, for you, that you could go to live with Him forever. Lord, I remember when He personally appealed unto me, brother. Came where I was, dealt with me, talked to me. 
And that's what He's doing tonight. He's the one that's still a-calling. He's going in and out the highways, the hedges of this old world. Hallelujah! The high and the low, the down and the out, whoever! And He's personally appealing. And what we're trying to do is say, oh, won't you come and go with us? Just won't you come and go with us? I see now as he does this, and Lord, her eyes light up. And she said, we better go tell my daddy. We better go tell my daddy. And they get over there, and Eliezer goes through the same thing. And you know what? He broke open those saddlebags and showed them things. And here's what happened. There was the actual proposal. In chapter 24, verse 58, and they called Rebecca. And they said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? I see her. She looked at that earring, pulled it out, and she looked at them golden bracelets. She saw everything that Eliezer had brought. They said, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. You remember that morning, that afternoon, that night? Do you remember that day? Do you remember that time when you said, Lord, I'll go? I'll go with you. I'm a-casting my lot in with you, Jesus. I'm a-going with you. <laughs> you know what this meant? It meant it involved a man whom she had never even met. She had never met Eliezer before. She didn't know him from Adam. She didn't know him. I'd never met the Holy Ghost before. I couldn't even see him. But I knew he was there. There was somebody dealing with me. Somebody was a-calling me. It involved a man. It involved a moving. He said, now, Rebecca, you've got to be willing to move from Mesopotamia. And we're going back up to Canaan. You've got to be willing to move. <laughs> yes, sir. I said, I'll go. I'll go. He said, going to take you to heaven one day. Going to take you from this low land of sin and sorrow and pain and all of this. And I'm going to take you to heaven. I said, I'll go. I'll go. And then it involved a marriage. Why, he didn't have no photographs to show her Isaac's picture. No way. No. It involved getting married to a man she'd never even seen. And that's exactly what it meant the day I got saved. It involved that I was willing to be a part of his bride. And I've never seen him. But hallelujah, every now and then the Holy Ghost pulls down the lattice and lets me peep in. <laughs> yeah, I get to reading the Song of Solomon. Lord, get in some of them books and the Holy Ghost pulls down the lattice and lets me peep in. This thing's getting big. Old Brother Zeb McNair said, I'm on the little end of something big. I tell you, we're on the little end of something big tonight. The Bible said, and she said, I'll go. But notice now the pilgrimage in verse 61. And Rebecca rose. And when she arose, I never saw this till a while back, and her damsels arose with her. Praise God, when Rebecca cast in her lot and said, I'm going, there's some of her handmaidens said, we're going with you. <laughs> now, everybody ain't come with us, but I'm glad every now and then we'll see somebody say, I tell you what, I'm going to go with y'all. I'm just going to believe in him too. I'm going to trust him too. I'm going with y'all. And the damsels, they went with her. And the Bible said they rode upon the camels. And followed the man. They followed the man. They didn't try to lead the man. They followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now, here they come. They're coming out of the land of Mesopotamia. Man, they're excited. They're happy. It's joyous. First love. First just getting on the trip. Man, here they come. And you know what they're riding on? Not donkeys. Not giraffes. Not hippopotamuses. They're riding on camels. Camels. 
Lord, this was a blessed day a few years ago when I got in on this. I remember here a while back we went to the zoo and took my kids. And I wanted to see two animals. I, I just wanted to see two. One was the eagle and the other was the old camel. I was standing there in front of that old camel peeing thing there. And that old two-hump camel come walking down through that old neck sticking out. His nose long, his teeth jagged, and his eyes big around. Oh, listen, old knees are just like leather and big old belly and bony little old legs and fat hooves. And, and there's a lady standing beside of me. She had her glasses on a stick and a fox fur. And she said, ooh, that's a stinking animal. I said, if you could look at him like I look at him, man. I stand there, tears run down my cheeks. I said, if you knew this camel like I know this camel, you'd make a difference. You say, preacher, what are you talking about? There's a picture of the grace of God here. That old camel is a type of the grace of God. You see, that old camel, God equipped him with special feet. You see, he's got special big old round feet. And there's an indiction in his hoof. And what he does, he traps air in it. And he walks on top of the sand. He don't mire up in it. He ain't going to stumble and fall. He can trap air in it and walk right on top of it. I'm glad the grace of God that lives in my soul enables me to walk through this old world. I don't have to mire up in it. No, brother. God's grace will help us. That old camel, he's got it. He's got a special nose, but the old long snout on him. If you can't find no water, you're in the middle of a desert. Lord God, best thing you can do is let the rains down. Quit trying to lead the camel. Let the rains down. He'll stick his old head up. He'll look around. He'll go. And here we go. He can smell water 50 miles in any direction. He can find water in the middle of a desert. I'm glad the good grace of God knows where the water holes are. You may not be able to find one here over yonder, but if you let grace work in your life, God's grace will lead you to the water hole. That old camel's got, tra he's got transparent eyelids. That old rider's are riding in the storm, gets up in the sands, are whipping through the air like little BBs. He wraps himself up in his tunic and he lets the reins go. And the old camel just drops down transparent eyelids. And he just looks right through that storm. He don't have to stop. He can see through the storm. There's been times when I didn't know which way to go. I didn't know which way was up or down. I lost all direction. And by the grace of God, there's the way through the storm. Yeah, yes. Knows the way through the storm. Now, when the storm gets so bad, storm gets so bad, the camel knows it's dangerous not for him, it's dangerous for the rider. The old camel just begin to hunker down. He gets down in front knees. He'll lay on them back knees. He gets down. He takes his big old body and throws it right into the storm. And the rider just gets down there. And that big old camel belly. And he's looking eyeball to eyeball with grace. And the storm's howling overhead. I'm glad the grace of God can hover over us. Storms are howling, storms are raging, lightnings are flashing. 
but God is a refuge. You hear me? God is a refuge. That old camel's got that big old belly. I got to read and study, and I found out he had 30 separate pouches. He's got 30 stomachs inside one belly. And the reason it takes him so long to drink is what he does. He drinks till he feels one. It spills over to the other, spills over to the other, spills over to the other. And when a camel gets a full 30-pouch belly of water, they say it is a scientific fact that there's a, when a full-grown camel's got a full supply of water, there's no desert known on the top side of this globe that he can't go from one end to the other. grace that's got you safe thus far, if you just got on last week, God's grace, God's grace is going to see us all the way through. Through many dangers, falls, and snares, I have already come. It's grace that's brought me safe thus far, and grace is going to lead me home. You know what kind of camel I believe it was? I believe it was a two-hump camel. She got on that two-hump camel, and I see she's sitting there, and she can't go forward, she can't go backwards. Eliezer said, how do you feel? She said, I feel secure. <laughs> I feel secure! Amen. Praise God. I'm talking about eternal security. I may slide around on the saddle every now and then. Above me are His everlasting wings. Underneath me are the arms of mercy. Bless God if I fall. It's just like falling from the third story to the bottom story of the grace of God. And now they're riding every night. They wouldn't drive in the daytime. Couldn't drive them camels in the day- nighttime. Excuse me. Robbers and it's dangerous. And it's 500 miles. 500 miles from Mesopotamia to Canaan. Study it out. Well, how long it took? Weeks? Months, long time, buddy, riding on them old camels, you know, just going down the old journey. Every night about evening tide, I'd hear old Eliezer say, Camel train! Whoa! And they'd get in there and circle around, you know, and they'd get out to cooking utensils. They'd just begin to cook a little bit. I see Rebecca and the damsels got everything ready. Around the evening campfire, I believe Rebecca would scrooch up over to Eliezer and she'd say, Elisha, if you don't mind, you've told me time and time again. But would you tell me one more time? What color's his hair? What color's his eyes? You reckon he's going to like me? Elisha would say, honey, I love to talk about him. I love to brag on him. The Holy Ghost loves to brag on Jesus. You hear me? Lord, I say, Holy Ghost, tell me about Jesus again. Sing to me about Him again. Preach to me about it. I'll never get tired of Him. And they've been on this journey for months now, through the valley, through the storms. And I see Rebecca, the devil, scrooched up to her one afternoon and said, Rebecca, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. Your family's back yonder in Mesopotamia. Your father, your, your family's down yonder. Girl, you're going somewhere. You don't even know where it's at. You follow the man you ain't never met. 
And she'd get discouraged a little bit on the journey. Noel Leisure's riding that camel of his, and he could sense that. Boy, spur that old camel come riding back there. He'd get up right beside Rebecca and said, How you doing? Well, she said, You know, it's all right, Eliezer. He'd say, You're tired, ain't you, honey? You're a little bit discouraged. He'd reach over there and he'd say, Look in this saddlebag. Look in this saddlebag. Look in here, Rebecca. Lord, she'd say, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm glad the saddlebag of this word. Every now and then we get a little discouraged. And that enough, the Holy Ghost will crack this book up and say, Look in here. Look in here. The Lord make you want to charge hell with a water pistol. Put the fire in your soul again. I see now they've rolled and rolled and rolled. Every day she'd say, Elijah, how much further? Oh, he'd say, Rebecca, we're almost home. We're just about there. She probably thought like we do. Yeah, you know, I've heard you say that before. But he said, really, Rebecca, we're getting closer. We're almost there. You hear me? We're almost there. We're closer than any generation's ever been. I see her that afternoon, one, one lonely, tiresome afternoon. She hears, Camel train, whoa! She said, I guess it's going to be camping out time again. Get to utensil. She's kind of been daydreaming, you know, just riding, thinking, will we ever get there? We're ever going to see him? And she opens her eyes, and Eliezer's got a different look on his face. He said, look down there, Rebecca. She said, what manner of man? Who is this? This one's clean. Help me out, sister. She's standing there now, and she's standing there, and Eliezer's standing there. Brother Steve, you won't mind now. And... Uh, Eliezer said, that's him. And oh, Rebecca said, I can't hardly see him so far away. He puts out his arm and she puts her hand in his. And, and uh, they're trying to go. He's trying to hold her back and she's a skipper. And she's a skipper. <laughs> and we get over here and she's got that veil on. She's got that veil on. And they get down there. And there they are. And uh, they come down there and Eliezer said, uh, well, I, I, Isaac, this is her now. And he said, uh, take that veil away. And I could see Eliezer pull that veil away. And Isaac said, you got the right one. <laughs> you got the right one. Hallelujah. You got the right one, Eliezer. I'm telling you the Christ. The power of Christ is going to come in one day. All the Father hath given to me is going to come one day. You know what I believe? You know what I believe Rebecca did? I believe she nudged their leisure and said, The half ain't never yet been told. You told me all about him, but the half ain't never yet been told. One of these 
these days, the one that's y'all ahead of me. The Bible says in chapter 24, 63, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide. He lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel, for she said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? The servant said, It's my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. The servant told Isaac all things that he had done. Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. And she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Notice the place of meeting now. They met in neutral territory. They met out in the field at evening time. They didn't meet in the father's house. They didn't meet way down in Mesopotamia. They met out there in neutral territory. In the field at evening time. Oh, one of these days that shouts are coming, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. Holy Ghost going to say, We're going to rise to meet him in the air, brother, and shout our person through the air. Farewell, farewell, sweet Alpine. And notice the place of marriage. Where did he take her? He took her into Sarah's tent, where Sarah had stood one time. Sarah's now been set aside. We're going to be standing as the bride of Christ, where Israel could have stood. But Israel said, No way with this man, crucify him. Praise God, we're going to stand contrary to nature, grafted in like a little wild olive vine. And we're going to get married. <laughs> Thank God. Hallelujah. Now, note in closing, if I can close, the Bible said in Genesis 25, verse 1, Abraham's happy now. Son's got a bride. But you know what? Oh, Abraham feels spry and spunky. And then, 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 that makes me say when, after Isaac got his bride, then Abraham, then again Abraham took a wife, and her name was Keturah. And he had six children by Keturah. He had six by Keturah, two by Sarah, one by Hagar, the slave, and Ishmael. Six and two is eight. And they tell me eight means a new beginning. This speaks of the restoration of Israel one day when God, when God's son gets his bride home. Then God's going to begin to record Israel again. Going to send them through the fire, severe fire of tribulation. Lord God, but one day he's going to bring his bride out of that nation. And we're going to get over in that new beginning. Lord, have mercy. Oh, Abraham now is down to the point to die. He's ready to cross over. And I can see him as he looks up by faith. And he says, Father, I've seen the gospel. I've had the gospel preached unto me. What you've had tonight in a picture and a type is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died on that cross, was buried in the rose. He went back to heaven. The Holy Ghost came down to search out sinners. 
call you into the family to put you in the bride. One day he's going to take us out of here. We're going home. I trust you're safe. Pastor, you come up here.